Psalm 90 and beginning to read at verse 1. And as we read, we remember this is the word of God, so we can trust it completely. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moon. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due to you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. We thank God for his word and we pray that he'll bless it to us this evening. Well, as we turn to God's Word this evening, please do open it with me to Psalm 90, as we're going to think about how can we face death well. So how can we face death well? Pete must have seen my notes because I have a couple of quotes coming up from Woody Allen, and uh, we're going to think through this uh, passage. Here's a couple of quotes from Woody Allen. Woody Allen, when asked if he was scared of death, replied, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. And then... The quote that Peter already read for us. <laughs> when someone asked Woody Allen, would he, uh, be, or would he have comfort because uh, his memory would live on, Woody Allen said, not really. As Peter's allowing for us, not really. I would rather just live on in my apartment. It's a pretty good answer, okay? Now, as we come to this, as we think about death and how can we die well, we realize that this is a, as a sensitive subject. And for many of us, we have walked through this path. And I know that for some here this evening, we have walked that path in recent days, and therefore it will be difficult for us to think of this this evening. But we trust that our eyes will be lifted to the Lord, that in Him we will find hope, and that we will find uh, the the living hope that is uh, the truth of the gospel, and that we will have deep joy this evening. And why do we talk about this? Why do we want to talk about this evening? How can we die well? Well, we want to talk about it because often, as Peter said, our culture tries to detach death from us. 
And perhaps more so than any other time in history, right now, the generation in which we live, our culture tries to detach death from us. So we don't think about death. We don't try to think about the things of eternity. We try to push them as far away as possible. We try to push that reality as far away as possible. And the only time that we often do think about it is at a funeral. Perhaps for half an hour or an hour or for an hour and a half, perhaps, we we think a little bit about death. And then quickly, the world takes us back into its thoughts and its place. And we push death away from us. So the aim this evening is not for me to hurt or to offend anyone, but rather to equip us whenever it comes to death, to equip us with a hope, to equip us with the ability to be able to face death because of Jesus and what he has done for us. So for each of us, death is inescapable. It is certain. It is sad. It's because of the fall, and it's out of our control. Death is the one thing, as human beings, we were never made to experience. However, because of the fall, we will face it. It is unnatural, and it's likely the most difficult trial and the most difficult path that we will ever have to walk on this earth. So as Christians, we need to think really clearly about death and what lies ahead of us, Because if you live long enough, especially for the young people, if you live long enough, death will come to you. It will come to your family. It will leave you with an immovable weight, and it will become part of who you are. Therefore, we must be prepared for it, that whenever it arrives, that death will not rock us in our faith, because we have a hope, because we have this deep joy. Now, I realize that for most of us here this evening, death has touched you, or it has touched your family, and you know that it it isn't easy to face this. Death is painful. And as Christians, I want us to know that it is not wrong for us to feel pain. It is not wrong for a Christian to mourn. It is not wrong for a Christian to cry. And we want to acknowledge that. How do we know this? Jesus wept over his friend who had passed away, even though Jesus would raise him. Paul talked about it, how losing his friend would cause him sorrow upon sorrow. So as a Christian, it is okay to cry. It is okay to mourn. I think often in church circles and and Christian circles, we can feel a, a pressure at the time of death a pressure to act as if everything is okay because we have a hope and we have a future, which is true. We have the promises of Jesus to cling on to, but still it's difficult. Last week, Revelation chapter 21, Nigel was preaching from it for us. Revelation 21 and verse 4 says this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. See, here in Revelation, John recognizes that there is difficulty in death. There is mourning, there is crying, there is pain. So as Christians, it is okay to have them feelings and to face that. And then further than that, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and 2 tells us this, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. 
So we are faced with death again and again and again. This evening, I want us to pause just for a few moments, and I do want us to think about our mortality, about how fragile we are, and how futile our lives can be. Our society tries to distract us from the reality of death. Why? Because the enemy knows that if we ponder over these things, that they lead us to think about God, that they lead us to think about eternity. Now, if we lived in Puritan New England, which many of us don't, you would have come across, and you'll see this picture on the screen, we we would have come across headstones like this. You can just about see it there. Memento mori. This is a a Latin phrase that simply means to remember death. And in Puritan New England, all the gravestones were decorated in many different ways. That one there, you can maybe just see, has an hourglass and a couple of bones on it. Some of them have skeletons with the, the grim reaper or some sort of reaper with a scythe. All of these elaborate pictures. Why? Well, in Puritan New England, they wanted each other to remember death. Memento mori. Remember death. And they would have preached many sermons on death and the reality of it. Why? So that people would not be rocked in their faith whenever they would face it. And, as we will see here in Psalm 90 and verse 12, that people would number their days. The psalmist's prayer in Psalm 90 and verse 12, is teach us to number our days so we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, as we think a little bit more about this, Psalm 90 is going to be really helpful for us, so please do keep it open. And another thing that we're going to lean upon or rely upon that's going to be in the background of our thinking is the Heidelberg Catechism question one and answer one, which will come up on the screen. What is our only comfort in life and in death? Perhaps you're familiar with this, and if you're not, I hope you can see it. It is a great source of comfort for us. What is our only comfort in life and death? That I, with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head, yea, that all things must work together for my salvation, wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and make me heartily, willingly, and ready henceforth to live unto him. This is a great help for us as we think through this this evening. Now, two points for us this evening. The world's answer to life and death is our first point. The world's answer to life and death. And then secondly, the Bible's answer to life and death. So firstly, the world's answer to life and death. What is the world's answer to life, first of all? The world's answer to life is this. Climb as high as you can. Get as much as you can. Experience as much as you can. Do some good on the way if you can. But live by your rules. Do whatever makes you happy. And then whenever it comes to death, what does the world actually have to offer us? Well, the truth is this. The world has nothing to offer us. How does the world face death? The world often faces death with drugs. For many of us who have walked this path of death, you will know what I mean. Our relatives go into hospital, and what is the only comfort What is the only comfort that we can be offered? It is drugs. 
So as we face death, the world's best answer for us is to numb us out of our situation, to make us comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, but that's all that the world has. And then at our funeral, what do they offer us? What does the world offer you? Well, it offers us perhaps a nice poem or a nice slideshow of pictures from our life, a few nice stories, and perhaps a song or two. And if you were looking at the top of the charts for funerals, which would be a strange thing to do in the world, but top of the charts in the funeral setting is I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra. Then we would have fanciful notions of angels and better places that come into our secular mind. And perhaps in some circles, people will even believe that we will come back, that we will be reincarnated. And for some, the end is just the end. So the conclusion is live, enjoy, blow it all. It's all about you and what you like and what you want. So the world's answer to death is hopeless. It is bleak. A few words, a few songs, a few memories. And then what? Well, then often families and people resort to drink. The drink will numb the pain. We'll have some sort of a party. We'll push death away from us. We'll push it away and we will block it out. So is that all the world really has to offer us? Well, yes, it is. If we're important enough, we might get a memorial plaque. Or if we do something really important in Northern Ireland, you'll maybe get a little blue circle and someone will unveil that for you at some point in the future, all right? And that's about the height of it. A hundred years from now, no one will really know that we existed. They may see a gravestone with our name on it, but that's about the height of it. We know this because if you imagine your great-great-grandparent, you couldn't, you couldn't tell me much about them. You might know their name. You couldn't tell me what was their favorite meal or what way they used to wear their hair or what was their favorite color. You know very little about them. So whenever we think about death in the world, there is a great void in their logic. They are silent. The world is silent. And the best it will offer you is a maybe. Maybe there's an afterlife. Maybe. But then what about the Bible? And this is where our hope comes. What's the Bible's answer to life and to death? Well, we get to see it here tonight. We get to see it in Psalm 90. We could turn to many places in Scripture, but Psalm 90 opens it up for us. What does it say to us? It says this. It says, death is a reality. You're going to face it. Death is going to come, but that, that doesn't mean that we should face it without hope or without joy. Instead, that we should face it with a great confidence. We can see it here, verses 1 through, 1 through 3 of Psalm 90. We see how, how the psalmist lays out for us that God is eternal, verse 2. He is everlasting. What is man, verse 3? We are just mere dust, and we will return to dust. Again, we'll see it in verse 6, verse 5 and 6, that man is like grass that is renewed in the morning. We live in the morning, but then look how quickly it changes by the evening time. We fade and we wither. We end our years, verse 9, with a sigh. And our years are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. And what are they marked by? They're marked by toil and trouble. Soon they are gone and we fly away. And Psalm 90, verse 12, here, this is, these words, I want us, if we go away with nothing this evening apart from this, I want you to go away with 
Psalm 90 and verse 12, ringing in your ears, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What is, what is the psalmist saying? A heart of wisdom. To be wise means that we trust God, that we live for Him, that we honor Him, so that we would have a heart that lives for Him, a wise heart, a heart that sees things in the, the big picture, that sees life in the big picture, that sees there, there, that there is an eternity and that there is a place called heaven and that there is a place called hell and that we will live in light of that. So his desire here, Psalm 90 verse 12, is teach us to number our days. Why? Because he wants us to live well, for each of us to live well. And the reality is this, that we hear this tonight, Lord, teach us to number our days because we are broken and we will die. If you are above the age of 25, apparently the scientists say, above the age of 25, that's you. You're on a downward spiral, right? And I know it to be true. Why? Because I noticed that I have a gray hair somewhere over here, right? It's happening, right? The, the cells are starting to die and pass away, starting to fade. You're on an upward peak until you're 25. 25, you're on a plateau, right? You're just about breaking even. After 25, it's downhill, all right? Now, that's what, that's what the Santa said to us. And in light of that, and in light of that, I don't want us to get distracted. What is it that distracts us? What could possibly distract us from living our life in light of eternity and in light of death, the big things of life? Well, I'll tell you some of the things that we get distracted by. We get distracted by bills and emails. We get distracted with exams and with sport. We get distracted with relationships and promotions. We get distracted with holidays and with children. We get distracted with hobbies and ultimately with self. All of these get in our way. They blur our vision from living our life, being able to see this. They muddy the road of our discipleship. Jonathan Edwards said this. Jonathan Edwards said, God, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. Stamp eternity on my eyeballs. What was he saying? He's saying, Lord, help me to live in light of who you are and in light of my future, that I would not waste a day, that I would live for you, that I would number my days, that I would know that soon I will flourish and then I will fade away, I will wither, and I want to live for you. A few months ago, we thought about how do we live our lives as, as people, as Christians in this place. We often live our lives with our, our fists clenched, don't we? So that everything in our life is in our fists. If we have a house that's in our fist, our money is in our fist, our relationships are in our fists. If we have land, they're in our fists, our hopes and our dreams are in our fists, and we won't let go of them. But what does the psalm teach us? Teach us to number our days. How should we live our lives? We live our lives with our hands open. Lord, I'm living for you. Whatever you require of me, so that we live with eternity stamped on our eyeballs. And you see, as we recognize the relevance of death and of life here this evening, we recognize the relevance of Jesus. You see, whenever we think about death, Jesus comes sharply into focus. Death hones us in on him. And whenever death comes to us, and as it has come to many families here in this place, the shadow of death rests upon us. 
and our, priority, our priorities quickly change. What happens whenever the shadow of death is cast upon us? Well, we start to live our lives in a gospel-shaped way. Our whole lives are directed towards eternity. We live to see the big picture. And we live faithfully in the small day-to-day life because we can see the big picture. So for us here, for the young people here, when life gets tough at school, I want you to remember the saying from Psalm 90, verse 12, Lord, teach us to remember our days. Teach us to number our days. And when we aren't sure for each of us here, how we're going to live or how we're going to make a decision or what we're going to do, I want us to remember this verse in Psalm 90, verse 12, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we can consider how best we can live. Again, the Heidelberg Catechism in question two says this, how many things are necessary for you to know that you in this comfort may live and die happily? How, how will you know? How can you live and die happily? Well, the answer is this, three things. First, the greatest of my sin and my misery. Second, how I am redeemed from all of my sins and miseries. And third, how I am to be thankful to God for such redemption. How do we live? How do we have happiness in this life as we face death? We know that we are great sinners, but that we have a great Savior who rescues us from our sin, and we live in light of that. So I was thinking about this, and this is a little way to help us think about it. Every headstone that you will see will have two dates on it, right? It'll have our date of birth, and it will have our date of death. And do you know what bit that we have control over? The little dash in between. There's a little dash in a headstone. That's it. The little dash is all that we have control of. How will we use our little dash? What will we live for? What will represent us? See, death sharpens our vision, helps us to live for Jesus. Everything else becomes really dull whenever death comes sharply into focus. We can think of it like this. Death is a telescope. And Jesus, whenever death comes, brings him sharply into focus. I couldn't speak this sermon or deliver this sermon without them. the famous words of C.T. Studd. I'm sure many of us know them. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. So for most of us here this evening, we're going to have to shift quite a distance on our thought pattern as we face life. How are we going to face life every day? How are we going to live for Jesus? How are we going to be a disciple for Jesus? How are we going to love him? How are we going to be able to live well and die well? Well, for all of us here this evening, we're going to have to have our minds transformed and renewed so that Psalm 90 verse 12 will be right at the forefront of our thinking. And actually, we've only got some days here on earth. So, Lord, teach us to number them. It actually requires us to change our whole metaphor of how we live life. The most common metaphor for how we live life, I think, is this, that that we live our life as if it's a ladder. And on the ladder, there are many runs, many rungs. And and we we try to go up this ladder. So how do we do that? Well, if we're young, we try to aspire to have the best career, and we go up a run. 
And as we get older, we look for the best relationships, Mr. or Mrs. Wright. We, we, we think we'll climb another rung then. And we imagine that we're, we're building, we're climbing, we're getting somewhere. But actually, life is not like a ladder at all. We're not climbing a ladder. We're not trying to achieve and be the best that we can be. Actually, what is life like? Life is like us hurtling down the side of a cliff, an icy cliff. And there's no way for us to stop. And in fact, our destiny is sure that we are going to fall off the edge of this cliff. And no matter what we are able to grab onto on the way, it's not going to save us. And nothing's going to slow us down. And soon we're going to hurtle over the edge of this cliff into death. And if we see our lives through this truth, then Jesus' promises begin to take an entirely different tone for us. Because then, whenever we fall, what do we fall on? We fall on Jesus. We fall on him, on the one who will not let us go. That we have the promise of the resurrection, that we have the promise of a new life in the new heavens and the new earth. And yet in between earth and heaven, in this time that remains, it is hard. It is desperately hard. The good news for us is this that as we think about how we can die well, Jesus didn't just come here to fix our problem a little bit, but Jesus came to completely deal with this problem of death, the problem of death that enters in Genesis chapter 4 and that has remained ever since. Jesus comes to rescue us, to rescue his people. He came and he waged war against sin and death. He came and he sacrificed his body. He suffered the cross. He gave his life for us. He lay his body in the tomb, and then it began to breathe again. His blood began to pump, and Jesus rose. Christus Victor, he is the risen Savior, Christ victorious. The grave could not hold him. So this evening, we know that the grave has no power over Jesus. Death is defeated. Satan is slain and will be slain, and sin is scattered. So how can we face death well? We can face death well with the words of John 14 ringing in our ears. Let not our hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to be with myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And what does Thomas say? Thomas gets all flustered. He says, Lord, we don't know. We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. What does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So John 14, along with Psalm 90, and many other places in Scripture give us great confidence. For many people here this evening, you will know that death came to our family and came to our home, and uh, over three years ago, we lost mum to illness, and mum had to fight for many things. Mum was a Christian. She had her trust in Jesus. She had uh, diseases in her lungs, which meant that she had to fight for her breath. She had to fight infection after infection. She had to fight, fight thoughts of having to face death. She had to fight with her failing body. How did mum face death? 
Well, like many saints here in Hill Street and many saints over many, many, many years, she faced it with many emotions, sometimes with fear and sometimes with bravery. But through it all, she clung on to the words of Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. So as death came, and as death came to mum, mum was still able to declare to some of the nurses and to some of the doctors, I know Jesus. Do you know him? So we will face death, each of us here in this room. We will face it. And what words do we want to declare whenever we face it? We want to have the words of Hebrews 13, verse 5, in our ears, whenever Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You want to have John 14 in your ear, let not your heart be troubled. You want to have his words in your ear, today you will be with me in paradise if you are a Christian, if you trust him. And you want to have these words in your ear, well done, good and faithful servant. So as we think about death, friends here as we finish, as we close, friends here this evening who who are living without Jesus, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you have not repented of your sin, you cannot face death well. You can't. And the world gives no answer for you. Without Jesus, friend, you dare not even imagine what death will be like. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, who will lead you? Who will protect you? Who will comfort you? So if you don't know Jesus tonight, you cannot face death well, can I appeal to you to come to him? What what possibly this evening, in light of death, in light of how fragile we are, in light of our days, they rise and then they fall, they rise and then they wither. What possibly this evening could keep us from Jesus? What keeps you from Jesus this evening? What excuse could we possibly give other than coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I face death. I realize that I am so fragile. You are my creator and sustainer. You are my king. You're the one who has defeated sin and death. You are the one who has come here to rescue us. Jesus, I'm going to trust you because there's no one else to trust. So can I appeal to you to come to Jesus? Why? Because he shed his blood for you. He took your sin to give you life if you will follow him. And Christian here this evening, how can you face death well? You face death well with confidence because of Jesus Christ, because his words are true. Even in the midst of a breaking heart, even in the midst of a hospital room or a home where the shadow of death will be upon you, and it will be the most difficult thing that you will face in your entire life, even in that moment, that you cling on to Jesus. Why? Because he is our rock and our salvation, the one who will not leave us or who will not forsake us, the one who we trust our lives to, and we trust our loved ones to if they trust and love Jesus. Friends, we can look death in the eye tonight and we say, my king has rendered you defeated.
Our prayer is this, O Lord, teach us to number our days so we may face death and face it well. Let us unite our hearts in prayer. Father in heaven, we know that whenever we talk about death and the reality of death, it is so painful for us. Father, the majority of people in this room right now have lost loved ones. We have lost mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers and aunts and uncles and grandparents, and some have lost children. Father, we have lost friends. And we pray this evening as we reflect on who you are, as we reflect on how many days we have on this earth, Lord, that you would teach us to number our days and that we would live in light of your wisdom, in light of the gospel, and that we would live for you. Father, the world tries to distract us from thinking about death. Here this evening, you have enabled us to pause and to think. And Lord, that leads us to your Son, the Lord Jesus, the one who has died to save us and who has rose victorious from the grave, the one in whom we have our hope, the one in whom our promises are true. Father, that you have given to us, Jesus, you have given to us, you have spoken to us, You have told us to not let our hearts be troubled. You have told us that one day you will wipe every tear from our eye, that our broken hearts will be mended, and the weight and the scars of death will be lifted and will be healed from us, and we will dwell with you forever. Father, meet us this evening in our pain, in our tears, in our memories, and in our sorrows as we mourn and as we grieve, loved ones. We need you. We need your help. We need your arms to sustain us and to lift us. We need you to be the lifter of our heads. So, Father, we pray that through your Holy Spirit and through the hope that we have through your Son, Lord Jesus, that you would be so near to us. Father, we do not know what a week or what a day or what a year or what a month has in store. And for some of us here this evening, death will come to our home this year. Father, we pray that whenever it comes, that we would be found hiding in you, that you would be our refuge and our strength, that you would be our fortress, and that your everlasting arms would be all around us, that we would shelter in your mighty wings. And Father, that you would put our feet upon the rock that is your Son. Whenever death comes, Father, we pray that we would not be shaken but that we would be steadfast for you. Father, help us 
Help us as a family. Help us as a church to face death well, to face it in your strength, with your grace, with your joy, with your love, with your mercy. Father, please be with us. In Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen.